You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where each fortnight we chat about dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. This week we're going to be speaking with RE researcher Roberto Busi about his latest research into resistance in wild radish and annual ryegrass. We're also going to be focusing on why it's so important to mix and rotate herbicides in your farming system and we'll get into that in a moment. But Pete does join me, my co-host. How are you going, Pete? Yeah, very well, Jess. How are you? I'm good. Now, Pete, you've been really busy the last couple of weeks. You've been going to quite a few updates. How did they all fare in the end? Yeah, really well, Jess. It's always a good, fun time of year. And, uh, yeah, last week I got to go to my local one, which was the uh, held at Una uh, in the northeastern uh, area of Western Australia. And, yeah, really, probably, I reckon I'm going to say it might be the best uh, regional crop update I've been to. Jess. Yeah, right. Every cool. topic was a cracker. It was That's really awesome. good. Yeah. And what were some of the highlights for you at Una? Well, Roberto Boozy, who we're talking to, was really good and really funny. He was just a combination of stand-up comedy and science. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, some of our local guys did a bit of a session on what we learnt from last year being a tough year financially here. Uh, That was really good. Also, on um, soil moisture probes and that sort of thing. And, yes, at the end of the day, would you believe they finished off with beers and a sexologist? Interesting. So how did they spin that one in? <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. I think the committee just met. Some other ladies had been had seen this particular lady speak before, Melissa. Uh, she's a local to Geraldton, now living in Perth. And, um, yeah, she's a friend of some of the people up there, and they got her to come along. Yeah, right. What did she talk about? Uh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, over a few beers, um, but yeah, re- just really good, entertaining, and uh, set up one of the uh, local fellas there, won't mention any names, but fully set him up um, with a bit of a gag, um, yeah, I won't go into it. But well, people, well, now people have something to ask you in person when they meet you. <laughs> they can ask. Uh, well, yeah, I'm certainly no expert, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, she's focused on um, just lots of things, but obviously some of the the issues that people have and yeah. some of the stigmas attached to them all and how uh, there is there are people who can help like her and um, yeah really a bit of fun to finish the day off. Oh well, that's pretty cool yeah you've got an education that maybe you weren't even thinking that was going to be available to you. Yeah, Lots of topics. A few uncomfortable people in the room as you can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> uh, but no it was uh, very funny too and what about you Jess what have you been up to? Well, we've just had the Weedsmart AGM, so I actually was in Victoria last week. We flew over to Melbourne for that, and it was amazing to see all the rainfall in Victoria. We woke up the morning of the meeting, which was last Thursday, and just really heavy drops of rain, and a lot of the local people who work as agronomists or are local to Victoria were saying that the rainfall they were getting uh, was really good across the board uh, in lots of the regional areas in Victoria, so that was really lovely to be there when they were getting good moisture. But overall, the AGM went really well as well so yeah weed smart's been going for quite a while now eight years and so yeah we just were getting to the guts of some of the details that we needed to uh, look into for the project going forward but yeah all things are looking really positive so that's obviously really exciting because we are so passionate about the project Pete and yeah would love to see it continue in it and it will be continuing so that's really exciting so yeah it was good yeah that's great Jess so good to have such good support from all of the companies and GRDC so 
what sort of a vibe were you getting? I think we're up to refunding it for the next three years. Is that right? And, that's uh, right. And things are looking pretty strong. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, we're just looking at ways that we can really maximise our reach. Obviously, people would be aware we've got all the extension agronomists across the country and, and that's been a really positive addition to the project. And so we'll be able to reveal a bit more information after June. But, yeah, keep posted. We'll keep you updated in the podcast and the like. So, yeah, make sure you're tuning in each fortnight and, and we'll reveal details as they come to hand but it all is looking really positive Pete. Yeah good to know the future of Wheat Smart is strong Jess and yeah great that we're delivering value to the companies and that they're continuing to give us their support. Definitely. Now, Pete, the topic today, we did mention we're chatting with RE researcher Roberto Busi, and he has been to quite a few crop updates talking about this mix and rotate message and talking about the herbicide resistance testing that he has been doing out of UWA. And we'll get into the details uh, now about this particular topic that we're focusing on in terms of the mixing and rotating message. Can you just give us first, though, before we launch into the interview, just a little bit of background on the messaging of mix and rotate and how it's evolved? Yeah, Jess, I mean, people have heard me talk about it quite a bit, about how we used to really focus on rotating, but now there's a much bigger focus on mixing. And as Roberto digs into it and starts testing more and more mixes over more and more populations of particularly ryegrass, but also wild radish, it really is quite amazing, actually, just how powerful the mixes are. And just the number of cases that I've seen in the glass house with my own eyes and also with his data, where he'll have, uh, you know, 50% resistant to herbicide A, 30% resistance to herbicide B, and you mix the two together and no resistance. Mm. So it just is really quite astounding, Jess, and probably the I'd say the results are, are even better than we even thought they would be. So just more evidence backing up what we've sort of postulated for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's really exciting and he is so busy. We're lucky that he's actually on the podcast because yesterday when we were supposed to be chatting, he said, I've got an urgent issue in the glass house. And so we did get to chat at the end of the day. But yeah, he is really working hard on this work. And so, yeah, it, and obviously exciting results are coming out every day and it's going to be really handy going forward to get all this knowledge acquired through this resistance testing. So in terms of the messaging, how do you think it's been received over the years? Are people understanding the evolution of now the need to mix and not just rotate herbicides? Yeah, absolutely. They they get it and they understand it and people are on board. Obviously, Jess, mixing comes at greater cost because we're talking about mixing two herbicides together. And so that can be the barrier. We, we have a herbicide budget that farmers are working to and, and we have to fully acknowledge that. And so I guess we, um, we, you know, we understand wh- where there's situations where people don't mix purely because it just doesn't fit the budget. But I think most people have been very receptive to the message and are, and are mixing herbicides wherever they can. Yeah, great. All right, well, shall we take a listen to the interview? Let's do it. Today we're chatting with RE researcher Roberto Busi about his latest research into resistance in wild radish and annual ryegrass and why it's so important to mix and rotate herbicides in your farming system. How are you going, Roberto? Oh, yeah, good, Jess. Uh, all is going really well. Busy as everybody else, I, I guess. Yeah, but you're particularly busy and you've been really busy in, in particular in the last couple of week, weeks presenting at updates and obviously doing lots of research. You've got lots of things going on. Can you give us a brief overview of what you've been uh, working on? Oh, well, yeah, it's pretty much in, in uh, keeping with my research program, which is uh, 
trying to assess the risk of uh, resistance with a bit of a focus on new herbicides. Okay, great. Okay, so let's get into the guts of this topic that we're covering today. Can you talk us through the rotate between the boxes strategy that you and Peter Newman have been promoting? Why do we need to rotate between the boxes rather than just between herbicides? Oh, well, yeah, really the guts of of the problem. Well, again, it's um, several years of research that were then simplified uh, for extension purposes into this uh, box uh, model and so we have again only three boxes in one we put trifluralin in the middle one which is the the box that has you know uh, several herbicides uh, we have put uh, simplifying again uh, all the J and K herbicides such as Sakura, Boxer Gold, uh, Avadex, etc. And then in the in another box we put propizamide. And so the idea is that if you rotate between the boxes, you should have the very virtually zero risk of selecting for cross resistance. That is in simple terms what that is. And while if you rotate within a particular box, let's say if you rotate between prosulfocarbon and paroxysulfone, everything can be good, but uh, the rotation is not as effective as it could possibly be because you are uh, exposing yourself to a you know, certain degree of risk of selecting for cross resistance. Okay, that makes sense. So, all right, Roberto, there are new pre-em herbicides coming. Which ones are in their own box and which are in the existing boxes? Okay, well, th- there is a, a new one that is for ryegrass control in wheat, which is uh, symethylene is the active ingredient. It's uh, old refurbished new herbicide, which commercial brand name is Laximax, uh, developed by BSF. And uh, yeah, we did a bit of work on, on that one and most likely will stay on his own new box because we have observed, we are working very actively on it, testing, you know, hundreds of uh, ryegrass field populations. But at the moment, the data we've got uh, suggest that uh, symethylene is effective in killing trifluorine resistant ryegrass and also uh, the population, the f- very few populations that we had that were resistant to Sakura. So because of that, unless we, we, we may find some exceptions, but until we define a bit better the potential cross-resistance that we were uh, discussing before, then uh, it, it can go on its own box and um, yeah. Roberto, you've also been doing some work on other herbicides, including Callisto, and that's obviously not the same as the boxes that we've been talking about. Can you give us a bit of an overview on what you found in that regard, though? Oh, yeah. Well, with with Callisto, we change uh, target weed uh, species that I have been working with. So we are now on the wild radish issues. And so, yeah, it's, uh, again, a new herbicide that is going to be used in pre-emergence. So, yes, I did uh, some preliminary work uh, uh, and still working on it. On wild radish, several populations came uh, for testing from uh, WA to UWA. And so, yeah, it seems, uh, you know, in simple terms, it seems to be very effective. Uh, Of course, there are other uh, well-established HPPD herbicides, such as the most common and most well-known is Velocity. 
So we are um, keeping a very close eye on uh, uh, first cases of resistance to HPPD herbicides. And so, but the, the work I've done so far, basically there is a similar efficacy between uh, Callisto, which would be the preem uh, option versus velocity versus uh, another one, which is the commercial name is uh, frequency. So yeah, it's good news really. Uh, all of them are just, uh, you know, another tool that uh, will provide some flexibility to growers to control uh, yeah, very difficult to manage uh, weeds such as a wild radish. Okay, great. All right, so just to sum up in terms of the resistance issues that could pop up, have you found any resistance to any of the new products from the field or the lab that you've been looking at? So um, everything is still ongoing, as I said, uh, I'm testing a large number of uh, ryegrass uh, populations, about 600, with many uh, different herbicides, standalone versus herbicide mixtures. Uh, at the moment, I, I haven't seen uh, anything major. There are some interesting uh, samples that uh, might need to be retested with more doses. So, but yeah, no. In in general, I haven't found any overwhelming issue. Uh, associated with resistance to especially with the new herbicides yeah okay that's great all right well let's talk about mixing herbicides and, and why it's such a good thing to do why are mixes better than individual herbicides roberto okay well uh, every, everything starts from the work that i've been concentrating in in only in the last year there is no much data when it comes to testing herbicide mixtures with a proper herbicide resistant test. So very, very little data unless the formulated product already is a mix. So the, 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 let's call it new, the new work that I've done and the new data that I've got suggests that is, there is a massive difference in terms of herbicide resistance, whether you use a herbicide standalone versus a mix. And uh, even more, I found that when there were even substantial level, like in order of 30-50% resistance to a one particular herbicide or another, the resistance basically tend to be significantly reduced when the two herbicides were used together. So partly is because you deliver a bigger dosage and also partly is because uh, this dose is not uh, easy to be handled, so the plants can't survive that easily. And so we tend to, yeah, basically overkill uh, those uh, weeds and those resistant weeds. All right, so in terms of particular mixes, what are you recommending based on the research that you've done? Oh, yeah, this is probably impossible to, to, it's an impossible question because in the end, uh, yes, I, I've seen some trends. For example, I've only obtained data so far on uh, populations that uh, I received and collected in, uh, in WA. And so I found that, for example, uh, a couple of mixes that included the herbicides Avadex, Triolate, were not only effective, but there was no resistance to them. So, for example, the mix Sakura plus Avadex or Trifluorin plus Avadex, uh, something that would be very common in the eastern states as a use pattern, 
Uh, in WA, maybe because of historical little use of Avarex, uh, those mixes were really powerful and also there was no resistance to them. Again, whether you should use those two in particular, I don't think that we can go to that level. It is just re-emphasizing the importance of testing for mixtures and then once you know that there are a few options that provide really good control in pot conditions, then with the agronomist you can work out which are the best herbicide options to either rotate or mix. Okay, great advice. All right, mixing herbicides, it is more expensive than using single standalone herbicides. Can you recommend any low-cost mixes at all that farmers can use to keep costs down? Well, I, I guess that all the agronomies uh, out there uh, would be much more prepared on me on commenting on costs. Uh, I am very much, my angle is very much detecting herbicide resistance and uh, excluding that uh, from whatever uh, efficacy of a whatever herbicide standalone or mixtures you are using in a field situation. So, yeah, I, 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 I got al that comment a lot, uh, meaning, uh, yeah, nobody would ever use or ex making push into an extreme. Uh, mixtures are expensive, so what farmers might do or agronomists might um, suggest is to basically reduce the, the rate of each component, which is definitely something that uh, I wouldn't advise uh, towards because, yeah, you may just compromise the, whole, the, the benefit of using a full dose of each uh, component of the herbicide. So, yes, again, it, uh, it is a very difficult uh, question. It has to be uh, put into a, a, a better context. Uh, what type of soil or what level of rainfall. And then, yes, of course, the cost is it's important. But um, so there are several variables to be considered. Uh, definitely the cost is uh, a very important component. We want to maximize the profit. Again, my angle is whether there is resistance or not. Uh, once you have that type of knowledge, then uh, the decision is definitely help. And, you know, together with the agronomist, you can then decide what uh, to use, at what dosage, etc., etc. And so that gives you a cost threshold that you are happy with. So, Roberto, it would be wise for people to just go and get the herbicide resistance testing done and they can then go forward with their agronomist to make decisions based on the testing they get done? Is that probably a good way to go about it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is a, quite a bit of interest, re-emphasize interest on, on this uh, issue of uh, testing for herbicide resistance. That is definitely the the starting point and uh, and then based on what results you get whether you have tested the mixtures or not uh, stand alone then uh, it's a better informed decision that you can make uh, and you know at least discuss with the agronomist what are the options uh, for you know control to control ryegrass in wheat uh, in the next few seasons yes yeah it always ends up being more expensive if you're using something that's not working i guess no, absolutely. Um, again, uh, we are, as I said at the beginning, we have started. I guess it was important to report that uh, there is very little resistance to some herbicide mixtures. 
and uh, and yeah we will learn by doing more testing and by you know um, discussing uh, within the industry the good value of those results so as i said and we can wrap with this uh, it's new work that uh, we have been leading and uh, the results are quite exciting i think there is a really good value again in testing for resistance especially i believe if you test for herbicide mixtures because you may discover something that you would just not be aware of and yeah the final comment is is the usual the final comment of my talks that uh, it's important not not to assume because otherwise yeah you miss out on opportunities if you assume that you have resistance to everything just because you have only been testing standalone herbicides you may miss out on how on you know a good efficacy that could be provided by these uh, herbicide mixtures and the data that i've collected so far demonstrate that uh, very strongly that's really valuable information to uh, yeah share with everyone. So yeah, basically, do your herbicide resistance testing, including mixes, pretty much. Well, thank you so much, Roberto. You're so busy, and we really appreciate you taking the time to go into detail about the work that you've been doing. And yeah, all the best with the ongoing work that you're doing. It's a, it's a busy time for you, and I'm sure it'll be very busy into the future as well. Thanks so much. No, thank you, Jess. It's, it's great. Uh, hopefully, my message was uh, clear enough uh, to go across the country. But yeah, no, it's, it's always... Uh, good to reflect and catch up with you and and share you know the uh, what is you know still still in the making and not, not just uh, uh, hot it's very hot and, and again um, yeah actively working trying to yeah to give as much value back to the growers that's the, the bottom line thank you Thanks so much to RE researcher Roberto Busi there for giving us his time and explaining his research and yeah, really driving home why it's so important to mix and rotate. Pete, in terms of wild radish, in that interview, Roberto did allude to the fact that there's the initial stages of HPPD resistance popping up. Can you just give us a bit of background around the detail of that? Yeah, Jess, they are probably some of the first populations, probably still to be confirmed and published, but they are finding resistance to the HPPD inhibitors, which is the herbicides like uh, Velocity and Frequency and Callisto. So they're all in that group. And so really just one or two suspected field populations, I think, and a couple that he's worked on in the lab. And so obviously no need for panic stations, but probably just that awareness that resistance to those herbicides is going to come eventually. And we've had a, you know, they really came along, Velocity and Precept came along at just the right time. We were having a lot of trouble controlling wild radish and all of a sudden those herbicides turned up from Bayer and uh, were just manna from heaven. And uh, they still will be, you know, very important herbicides for a long time to come, including the new ones in that group. But yeah, just starting to see our first hints of resistance turning up there. Yeah, okay. And then that mix and rotate message with the boxes, it is a really well-established message that yourself and Roberto really worked on and it's been going out through extension channels and really resonating with growers. But can you just give us, uh, just once again, just give us a brief overview of the boxes and how they work? Yeah, well, I guess 
the problem is is that we used to have herbicides come out we just look at the herbicide group and say okay this is from a different group therefore we can rotate to that herbicide and then Roberto found those herbicides with cross resistance and so it's across those group JNK herbicides and so the blue box in the middle of that slide really shows that there is cross resistance between a number of our group J and K herbicides so Sakura, Boxergold, Avidex, Butazan and Juul and so even though they are either group J or K or mixes of group J and K there is cross resistance between them all and so um, even so we can't just look at the groups and then on the other hand we have trifluralin and propizamide they are both group D but there's no cross resistance between them so they go in their own box and so it's a little confusing so this is why we've made these boxes to help farmers work out the ideal mix and rotate strategy now having said that within that blue box we have things like Sakura and Avidex in the same sort of box same coloured box and it is still a good idea to mix them I mean there's some really good trials showing Sakura Avidex mixes and other mixes within that box. So it is better than just using the herbicide on its own, but we're just trying to put up the sort of ideal mix and rotate and double knock strategy here, Jess, that acknowledges this cross-resistance that we're seeing. Okay, makes sense. Okay, Pete, so in terms of Luxamax, which is that new BASF product, how does that fit into the box system? Yeah, well, Jess, our insight this week is about exactly that and some of Roberto's work again and he alluded to it I think and Luxamax gets its own box. So Luxamax is the active synmethylin which is an old product which is now being registered. Roberto tested it over 130 ryegrass populations uh, from WA. It did really well over all of them. He then tested it against four of these cross-resistant nightmare populations that he <laughs> essentially bred in the lab. They are resistant to Sakura, Boxergold, Avidex, Butazan and Luxamax controls those populations. So it will be a genuinely useful herbicide to mix and rotate with in its own box. All right, well, I'll provide all the links to the RE Insight and also I'll put a graphic up there of the boxes with the podcast description so you can head to the WeedSmart website if you would like to see the description and you'll be able to link through to RE Insight from there as well. So definitely if you're interested in really getting into the details of what we've talked about in this podcast, head to the WeedSmart podcast page on the website and you'll be able to see it all there. Now, Pete, locally what's happening is summer spraying is in full swing. Can you give us a bit of background on what's happening in your area? In, in that regard? Yeah, Jess, we had some of that beautiful rain a couple of weeks ago, which uh, is good for stored moisture, but also means we've germinated summer weeds. So, yeah, yeah our guys are um, madly spraying, and the scale of the farms in WA is pretty big, so it's a pretty big job. Yeah. Uh, so maybe some, some of the growers are listening to this while they're doing that summer spraying, Jess. Uh, yeah, big shout-out to them. Um, yeah, hopefully yeah. we're entertaining them. <laughs> yeah, we hope so. But big job, and uh, but it's um, going well by all accounts, and we've actually had some reasonably favourable conditions for it. I think it hasn't gotten super hot uh, since the rain. It obviously gets hot, but not as hot as it can get. So, yeah, hoping for a good result there. 
Yeah, perfect. All right, well, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have our next podcast coming out, and we're going to be focusing on meal technology in that podcast. Ben White's going to be coming on as a guest co-host. Make sure you're watching out for that one, and hopefully, yeah, getting quite a few growers to talk about their experiences with the various meals out there, so that'll be really exciting too. So stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and following us on Facebook and Twitter so you don't ever miss out, and yeah, hopefully you have a great time up until then, and we'll, we'll catch you next time.